As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So today, it was announced that Bayern Munich and head coach Thomas Tuchel will part ways at the end of the season. So coming up, why the announcement came now and what it tells us. Why isn't Tuchel leaving immediately? And will Bayern be able to compete with Liverpool to make Xabi Alonso their new manager in the summer? I'm Ayo Akimolare. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Joining us for this one is the Athletics German football writer, Raf Hunningstein. Right, Raf. Tuchel is stepping down at the end of the season. Can you just give us a sense of what went wrong for him at Bayern? Well, things um, were off to a bad start, really, because he took over halfway through last season. Didn't have a preseason, didn't really have the kind of team that he wanted. Uh, Bayern struggled. Bayern got knocked out in the Cup. They got knocked out in the Champions League. They threw away the title only to have it thrown back at them. <laughs> and uh, somehow by default winning it. And in the second season, things were stable, more or less. Uh, results were decent. Footballing-wise, not that entertaining, but it was okay. But everything kind of fell apart in the last couple of weeks, starting with that defeat at Leverkusen. And then, of course, the defeat against Lazio and a third defeat against Bochum. And team looking completely devoid of any sense of confidence and and direction. And I think what the board have tried to do now by bringing that decision forward, if you will, is to A, say, okay, you can no longer hide behind the fact that you don't like the, the coach or whatever. He is leaving, so it's down to you now to perform, to stop the speculation after every single game. Is he staying? Is he leaving? And to change a little bit of the momentum and maybe freeing Tuchel up to be a bit more relaxed and hands-off in his approach towards the team. I think it's an interesting theory, if you will. The problem is if they lose on Saturday, you can take all those deliberations and put them in the bin because uh, the speculation will start again. And I think the board will have to do something at that point. I mean, we spoke about um, Tuchel not too long ago, actually. It feels like Groundhog Day. Interestingly, for the 
game against Lazio in Rome, I know you look very great and in your polo neck going out to Rome, you were quite optimistic that Bayern Munich were, were going to do something there. You didn't see that as a, as a game that Bayern Munich were, were going to lose. What do you think went wrong for Bayern Munich in, in that match? And is this a build-up of the, the, the lack of confidence that we've seen in the last few games under Tuchel? Yeah, I mean, you see a combination of individual mistakes at the back. You see the team really struggling to break down opponents. That's been uh, a feature of the season. They played some quite reactive football at times, inviting teams forward and hitting them on the break. And that looked looked good to a point, even though it ran counter really to Bayern's footballing DNA to a certain extent. But then when teams give you the ball and say, okay, now you break us down, then they really struggled. And that's where I think Tuchel's safety first approach came a little bit unstuck because it felt at times that the players were not doing what they feel is the right thing to do, but doing what they feel needs to be done because the guy outside otherwise goes crazy on the on the touchline. And, you know, kind of second-guessing yourself, playing the safe ball, not committing men forward, in possession, these kind of things in the end added up to a team losing losing its identity and losing its direction. And things kind of fell apart quite quickly to an extent that wasn't quite foreseeable. But at the same time, uh, people close to the dressing room had been saying to me and others, this is gonna this is gonna explode at one point. This is not gonna end well. Um I guess I should have been less optimistic. You talk about the the dressing room. You talk about the the toxicity there. Why keep him on then? Um, if if it's so untenable, why don't you just let him go and and find someone in in the interim till the end of the season, so you can regroup and you know go get the man you might really want. And I want to talk about that a bit later on as well. So I don't think it's the sense that, or it's the case that everyone in the dressing room absolutely hates him. I don't think it's it's gone to that point. But there are some key players who. I think felt undermined. Their performances have become worse, and they're quite happy to see him go. I think it's it's safe to say. Is it enough for the board to say, "Look, we have to get anyone else in, even if it's the kit man"? It doesn't matter because people cannot stand Tuchel anymore. I don't think we've reached that point. That's why, in the absence of an obvious caretaker manager, a ready-made in-house solution where they know he's going to make everyone feel good, people like him, players respond to him. They don't have this kind of guy. So they said, okay, a dressing room that's not happy with Tuchel still has enough, should have enough professionalism, enough intrinsic motivation to say, you know what, it doesn't really matter what this guy says. Let's just play our game and let's just do this. But of course, it relies to a certain extent on Tuchel letting them do that and maybe becoming slightly more hands-off in his approach over the next few weeks, knowing that he's going. Maybe he will double down. Maybe he'll say, you know what, Um, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to be even stricter. I'm going to put this guy on the bench and that guy on the bench. We We will find out on Saturday. But basically, it's a decision made in hope that a positive change can come from it. In the absence of any other obvious better ideas at this point. I mean, Brian released a statement today. Um, Could you tell us a little bit more about that and also what you particularly made of that statement? Well, the statement uh, stressed that this was a sort of a mutual decision. These things are never really mutual, but uh, 
they they played on the fact that they had uh, talked about this and kind of both agreed that this was the way forward. And I think this this does reflect uh, Tuchel's realization that the position or the situation was probably untenable beyond the summer as well. Um, I don't think he believed that uh, it's going to be a happy third season there next year, the way things are going. And uh, yeah, Jan Christian Dresden, the CEO, especially made the point that he feels now it's down to the team to take responsibility and to show a reaction. Um, everyone knows what's happening. The cards are on the table. But the problem with that is, as we said, the cards are never quite on the table because if the next two or three results go, go south and they've got Lazio coming up in what will then certainly be the last remaining important game of the season, um, they will move move mountains and and lakes in Bavaria to to find a better find a better fit. So this is just a holding pattern, if you will, um, hoping that they can somehow muddle through until the summer. Look, it's two part twofold, right? You've, you've got a manager that might have lost the dressing room, but you've also got a bunch of very experienced players there who some might say might have lost the hunger. Is it just solely down to the coach or are Bayern Munich just used to winning? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there is, I'm sure there's an element of that. It's hard to quantify how important that is. If you've won 11 in a row, maybe the 12th season, you think, okay, let's take it easy. Maybe subconsciously you lose a few percentage points. That doesn't explain though how that kind of lifeless, energyless, um, insecure, uh, performance also carried over into the Champions League where there is no such issue. Everyone wants to win. Everyone understands that Lazio is is a game that Bayern have to win because they have ambitions to go deep into the competition. And then you see the same kind of lifeless, energyless, um, insecure performance that you saw in the league a few days before at Leverkusen. So there might be an element of that, but knowing how much pressure there is in Bayern to perform and what kind of noise and what kind of uh, repercussions you have on Bayern, God forbid, are only the second best team in Germany. I, I'm not sure the players um, would consciously make a decision or sort of just feel, okay, we can get away with it this year. We're just going to take it easy because they cannot. They cannot in Munich. Um, and you see the drama and you see the, the incessant headlines. So... Maybe deep down there is a factor and maybe the team needs to have more change. Uh, that was Tuchel's main idea in the summer and the board were resistant to that change. So maybe in a way he was right, but ultimately you have to make do with what you have and bring out the best of your players. And it's not really your job then to turn around and say, look, I told you that these guys are useless to begin with. So um, here's, you know pay me 6 million euros for that. So it's a combination of things. I don't think he's the sole culprit, if you will. Transfer market dealings went went wrong in the summer. Um, not sure they went that right in the winter either. They have tons of injuries. Is that his fault? Is that the fitness department? Is it the player's fault? I can't tell you, but ultimately he's responsible for the results. Is the door open now for Xabi Alonso to come take this buying job? And is it the right job for Xabi Alonso? Let's face it. I think it's got some obvious attractions. Bayern, as we alluded to, probably need a complete overhaul. And to put him in charge of that 
I think would be quite enticing for a manager to really say, okay, I need this guy, I need that guy. I'm going to play this way. And uh, you have carte blanche to the extent that you will ever have it at a club like Bayern. Um, the lifestyle in Munich is great. The weather is much better than Liverpool. Uh, you have mountains, you have lakes, uh, very good food. But of course, Bayern uh, will be in a fight, a three-way fight with Leverkusen and uh, with Liverpool, who have a huge appeal for very obvious reasons. I think what Bayern can do for Alonso is to, to a certain extent, guarantee titles early on. He might already win, of course, in Leverkusen this year, but I think it leaves his options open. If you go, if he goes to Liverpool now, that probably means he can't go to another Premier League club. It probably means um, he will be there for foreseeable uh, time, which is no bad thing at all. But I think it probably closes a few doors. Whereas Bayern is maybe a more transient thing. You do it two, three years, then you move on. Um, you become a more rounded coach. That's certainly, I think, the pitch that Bayern will will present. Whether he's amenable to that, I don't know. What if he, d- he decides to stay at Leverkusen? He hasn't been there that long. Takes him into the Champions League, wants to explore that. Then you've still got these two teams who haven't got a, a top coach. And then what do Bayern then do then? You know, um, they stay another year and then wait for him to finally be ready. I mean, it, it, there's still a lot of moving parts here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's hard to predict which way this is going to go. Bayern will try. Bayern will make him the number one target. We we reported that uh, in the Athletic a few days ago. Uh, that's no surprise. I think the fact that Tuchel's future, his long term future at least, is sorted, makes it easier for Bayern to go out there quite aggressively and say, "Look, you know that he's leaving. Everyone knows that he's leaving. We need to make some moves ahead of the summer. Come do this with us." come on board, what does it take uh, for you to come? If Xabi doesn't work out, then I think Bayern a little bit stuck because don't think there's a ready-made B option there that they fully believe in. Um, they want a specific kind of football, which rules out the likes of Conte and Jose. They want ideally somebody who speaks German, has some German experience, uh, which is a huge bonus for, for Xabi. So they will they will really scramble um, if 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 it doesn't work out. And I read today's announcement as also an announcement to the rest of the world, if you will, that everyone knows Tuchel is leaving, and now we can put the wheels in motion to find a successor uh, quite quickly. What then happens to Thomas Tuchel? Um, what next? Do you think? A step away from management. I mean, Chelsea was a tricky one. Bayern Munich now a tricky one. No, I think he'll he'll continue to coach. I think he'll still have a great, great uh, demand, great reputation for what he's done, specifically at Chelsea. But uh, even PSG and Dortmund were successful. Bayern, Bayern less so, but could still finish with um, one or two trophies. He won the league last year, um, not convincingly, but still, it is a it is a, a league win. And I think he'll he'll buy his time, and uh, there are big moves afoot in European football this summer. And I wouldn't be surprised if Thomas Tuchel ends up at another big club very soon. All right, Rafa, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Bye.
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, let's move on because joining us now is the Athletics' Nick Miller. Nick, you've written a piece about the big decision facing Xabi Alonso. Give me the argument. Bayern or Liverpool for Alonso? I, I almost don't envy him, which is, you know, it's very, it, it's very sort of sp- smallest violin in the world's territory you know oh no I've got the choice between two of the biggest <laughs> clubs in the world what a dreadful what a dreadful position to be in but yeah it's 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 a re- it's an absolutely fascinating choice I mean he's, he's obviously got a, a degree of emotional history with both having played for both clubs you probably say slightly more with with Liverpool given that he was there longer and the successes there uh, were possibly slightly uh, more unexpected He's also got the choice between two brilliant squads. I mean, I would say probably Liverpool have got the better individual quality in players. Um, both teams are obviously kind of willing to spend money if he needs certain players, and you know if he wants to buy certain players to fit his style of play. So then it comes down. I suppose it then comes down to things like what would the expectation be at, at, at both clubs? And again, you've got a couple of competing forces there. At Bayern, he wouldn't be given as much time probably as he would be at Liverpool. There is, uh, as Thomas Tuchel is, is is finding out, anything other than winning the Bundesliga. That's that's the sort of base level. You know, you, you, if you don't do that, then you're out. But on the other hand, at Liverpool, he is replacing their most sort of transformational manager since Shankly, probably the most popular manager since probably Dalglish. Obviously, absolutely colossal shoes to fill in that respect. There is also the nature of the challenge, which he has to weigh up at both clubs. With Bayern, obviously, he's sort of he is by definition removing the biggest threat to his new job, which is himself. Really, by leaving uh, Leverkusen to take over Bayern, Bayern would be favourites for the Bundesliga every season if I was in charge. But um, particularly if you have the guy who, as looks like at the moment, um, is going to be the first guy to kind of topple them since 2012. In that respect, it's maybe slightly less of a, a, a challenge. Whereas at Liverpool, he has the kind of looming presence of Manchester City and. Uh, Arsenal doing really well so it's much it's going to be a in theory a much more competitive domestic league as well and then you kind of get down to things like lifestyle he's obviously lived in both cities before um his family apparently enjoyed it in both cities so I mean it's I haven't I haven't really given you a definitive like uh, answer to which is the better job here but these are two incredibly attractive and in terms of you know which one's ahead of the other very even jobs that he he has to choose from perhaps one of the sort of ticks in the cons column for Liverpool is that as things stand he doesn't know 
who he would be working directly under. They don't have a sporting director yet. I think in an from from the sounds of things, in an ideal world, Liverpool would want to appoint a new sporting director or you know someone with that with a roughly equivalent job title before they choose who their manager is. But you know this this um, announcement all the while this confirmation seemingly that Tuchel is definitely leaving Bayern at the end of the season, which I think was probably everyone could assume it was going to happen anyway. But that this will have made it more urgent that for, for Liverpool to kind of tie him down if they if he is the man they really want. But by doing that, they are asking. Alonso to to join a club where he doesn't really know what the the, the structure of the hierarchy will be. While the um, the Bayern structure is a little more chaotic, he probably knows who he's going to be working with in the immediate future. Anyway, what's to stop him from? Just getting a bit more experience at Leverkusen, you know. I mean, what is looking like an extraordinary season so far? Why doesn't he take it to the next level with this Leverkusen team? See how far they do in the Champions League, for instance, next season, which then yet again opens up this merry-go-round of, you know, who then coaches Bayern Munich, who then coaches, you know, Liverpool as well. If we're kind of assuming that the Leverkusen are going to win the Bundesliga and we we have been here before in, you know, assuming that someone else is going to win the German title. I mean, I think we're, you know... Even those of us who aren't Dortmund fans were scarred by the last day of, uh, of last season. So let's let's assume let's assume that Leverkusen win the league. What might enter his thinking is that he, he can't realistically really do better than that. These kind of almost sort of, sort of semi miracle seasons where um, clubs that you don't expect to win the league, generally speaking, they kind of tail off the following season. So what he might something that he might factor in is that his stock is never going to be higher than it than it is now and if he wins the Bundesliga this season but then finishes at 6th, 7th or whatever it is next season then he, suddenly he might be not quite as attractive a, a candidate for um, Liverpool or Bayern or I don't know Real Madrid or whoever one of one of these other super clubs that he's previously played for that might want to might want to hire him so that might kind of factor into his thinking This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. 
Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. by Munich have confirmed that Thomas Tuchel will leave at the end of the season, a year before the end of his contract. A little bit of breaking news. Uh, Xavi has revealed he will step down as Barcelona head coach. This is uh, Jurgen Klopp speaking via the statement saying, I know that I cannot do the job again and again. There is a, a wider managerial merry-go-round over the summer, really. We've mentioned Liverpool, obviously Bayern, Barcelona in there. I mean, this opens up quite a lot of options potentially for a, a coach that is in high demand. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, Barcelona would be, uh, I, I don't know whether they could countenance an ex-Real Madrid player being their, their manager, but they would be silly not to kind of investigate it at least. But yeah, it's going to be could be pretty chaotic. We, possibly the England job will be available depending on um, you know, Gareth Southgate's mood and what happens in the summer. The Germany job's going to be available. There's going to be a kind of, there's going to be one big nation that completely flames out in, in the summer. And, um, you know, that job might be available. Who knows? Maybe France implode or something like that. And Deschamps decides that he's, you know, however long he's been there is enough. So it's a kind of bad season, bad, bad summer for Jurgen Klopp to have decided that he, <laughs> he, he needs some time away because if, if he was. If he was leaving Liverpool and um, was ready to kind of go straight into his next job, he'd have the pick of of quite a few. He could have the Germany job. He could, if he wanted the Bayern job, he could have the Bayern job, and you know maybe Barcelona as well. But hopefully, for his sake, he kind of you know spends spends the year drinking drinks with little um- umbrellas <laughs> in them rather than going diving straight back into it. But you know, if he wanted to, he's got plenty of options as well. Very quickly before we finish, um, I just want to touch on Harry Kane um, as we're talking about Bayern Munich, as we're talking about German football. I mean, outstanding season um, at Bayern Munich at this moment in time. What, six different managers in, in 18 months or so? It's actually quite phenomenal what he's doing. Yeah, he seems, I mean, he, he's going through a little bit of a slump in form at the moment, but he's still on track to break kind of Bundesliga scoring records that you know were only set a, a, a couple of seasons ago and we thought would stand for for years but he just seems kind of impervious to sort of outside influences almost you know he he just seems to um be able to play at these absurd levels it doesn't really matter who his manager is doesn't really matter who what kind of team is around him it doesn't really matter how chaotic the situation is around him. Um, maybe it's it, th- th- there is a sort of steeliness to his personality and mentality that helps that. Maybe it kind of helps that um, in terms of the purely on-pitch stuff, he is basically two players in one. He is this kind of number nine and this is the number 10 when he feels like it. So maybe that's a, a factor in how he's able to play and not just play, but play brilliantly independent of, of outside factors. But... Yeah, it being 
dropped into this kind of... It, 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 even though moving to Bayern, the assumption was, well, okay, he's moving to a, moving to a club where he's going to guaranteed league title. It's still an incredibly high-pressured environment. Um, it's still, as we kind of discussed, often quite a, a chaotic environment. But he's still scoring all these goals. Um, so, yeah, it's been quite sort of heartening to to see it from a very English perspective. You always like to see English players going somewhere else and and you know um, being as good as they were over here. Um, and he's as I said, beyond, beyond the last few weeks where he's hit a bit of a dip in form, he's absolutely done that, I buy him. All right, Nick, thanks for joining us. Huge thanks to Raphael Huntingstein as well, who joined us earlier. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Guy Clark, Mike Stavrou and Jay Beal. The executive producer was Aidy Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.